Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. And I am Mujahatawi. And Waj, today let's talk about, oh, I don't know, the president's strong speech, and I'm using air quotes, folks, strong speech on voting rights. And I don't know if you know this, but this is his fifth time in a year giving a strong speech on voting rights and why it's so important to end the filibuster, why it's so important uh, to the foundation of our democracy. And yet he spent the last year on infrastructure and build back better. I want to talk before I dive into my fury. What what did you take away from the president and the vice president's uh, speech this week in in uh, Brian Kemp's Georgia? Yeah, so that speech was designed to appeal to black voters. And uh, last time I checked, you are a black person and a voter. So this, as the sole representative of all black voters in America, Danielle Moody, I appoint you with the authority to inform me and our listeners, did that speech in Georgia inspire you as a black voter? And then I will give you my response because it was meant for you, apparently. Yes, um, it clearly, because we decide that politicians are very big on political pageantry as it pertains mm. to the black community, but not actual policy. So as the thank you for anointing me as the, <laughs> the black person in America, um, I will say in my humblest of ways, dear Joe Biden, miss me with your bullshit. Wow. That's what I wow, thought about you. So so this is my as a non-black person, uh, and clearly that speech was not appe- appealed to me because who cares about voting rights? I, you know, I don't live in Georgia and I'm not black. So who needs voting rights? Everything's fine. Um, so we're dealing with the politics here that uh, black and brown folks are the national base of the Democratic Party. We've discussed this before on the show. You need about 85, 90% black voters. You need about 65% Latino voters, 65, 70% Asians, uh, South Asians, Muslims, and you get a minority of whites. You get at least 40 to 41. You get 45, and it's Christmas, Hanukkah, and Eid. Hooray, right? The majority of whites have not gone Democrat uh, for decades. 
and yet Democrats center everything around whiteness, desperately chasing Karen when they need to chase Stacey in Georgia. Uh, what we've seen so far is that Joe Biden's attempt at bipartisanship, surprise, surprise, has failed. He got infrastructure through because these Republicans needed something uh, to come back to their constituents. And they're so shameless that even the Republicans who voted against the infrastructure bill took credit for it because how do you shame shameless people? And the progressives were right that if you decouple infrastructure with BBB, the alleged, I hate using this word, but I'm going to put in air quotes, the moderates will come, will not deliver. And voila, Manchin's killed BBB. And so far, Manchin and Cinema uh, are all about voting, uh, all, all about voting rights and the filibuster, but they want to preserve the filibuster. Uh, and so Joe Manchin magically has not found these 10 mythical unicorn bipartisan Republicans to even support his watered-down version of the voting rights bill, right? So with all of that, I, I lay that history to say that I'm going to be a less harsh on Biden than you because the pageantry is not necessarily for the black voters who know better. The pageantry is to signal and push Democratic elected officials and the Democrat, the white Democrats, letting them know, yo, this means business. And, and I do think that the activists... Because a lot of people are knocking on the activists for kind of saying, yeah, peace out of the speech. The activists also have to put pressure on Biden and Kamala and by extension, the Democratic Party, which is why I supported them, to kind of signal this is the dance, right? We're done with the words. Now you need to deliver. So that's why I thought the calibration was good. Yeah, but, but to get to your point of your fury words without actual voting rights act will mean nothing and democracy will be held hostage by a republican minority you know it, it it is what is frustrating to me and you know derek johnson who is the president of the naacp issued a statement following the speech and it was a, and it was a stinging statement where he said that he would like to see uh president biden go on a tour de force like he did mm. with the infrastructure bill and do the same thing with voting rights. And why are we doing this a year later? Why are yes, we right. doing this as we are coming up against midterm elections when you know the only yeah. reason why you became president of the United States is because millions of people in the midst of a pandemic stood in line for hours to ensure that our democracy wouldn't fall that day. But ever since then, we have been chipping away and hollowing it out by not taking strong measures. And Republicans have been legislating on the big lie. So it isn't even enough for Democrats and this led by this president to get on television to talk about the big lie, to shame Donald Trump as he did this week in his speech and say that he sought to use violence as a way mm. to undermine our democracy because he lost at the ballot box. You know that to be true, but you yourself decided to put it on the back burner for a year. You yourself decided to give Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema the keys right to our democracy without asking them, like demanding of them, what is your number? Because here's the thing that I want folks to understand, Waj, is, is this. Mm. In my humble opinion, not putting words in your mouth, but in my humble opinion, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are political prostitutes. They turn policy tricks 
for money. So instead of us pretending that they are aligned because of their deep-seated values of democracy and their morality, right, of upholding the oath that they took, let us understand that money talks to them. So why why are we wasting time? Even journalists in 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 the little peanut gallery wasting time asking Joe Manchin, what is it going to take for him to vote for Build Back Better when he doesn't believe that Americans are deserving of the child tax credit? Right. Because yeah. he thinks that they're going to use that to go on vacation. Right. And so my, my thing is, let's just cut the shit. Just say, what's yeah. your number? What's your number, Manchin? What's your <laughs> I, number, I tweet, cinema? I tweeted that before. the sh- You know what I tweeted before the show? Oh, I openly tweeted. So I said, what will it take for Democrat Democrats to bribe Manchin and buy his support to do right by democracy? I'm with you. Like at the end of the day, Joe Manchin is a rich white man and he cares about other rich white men. That's his tribe. And he's married to a rich white woman and his son's a millionaire and his daughter's a millionaire who helped jack up the price of EpiPen, which, by the way, my five year old daughter, Nuseba, needs just like so many others. Because she has, uh, you know, potentially fatal reactions. We found on like last year, got she had one horrible reaction. We had to take her to the hospital. So now we got like five EpiPens everywhere, right? Thanks to insurance. But she jacked up the price of EpiPen, and so this is the family that we're dealing with, right? That literally profits off of people's misery. And mm. he's the representative of West Virginia, one of the poorest states, where about a third, I think, of his constituents have some form of government subsidy, mostly white. It's the one of the whitest states in America, right? So this is how he thinks about poor folks. This is how he thinks about poor black and brown folks. They're, he's a rich man's mentality, and I'm glad you cited that, that he thinks that people are just taking this money and going on vacation or buying iPhones. Like It's the Mitt Romney mentality, another rich white man. Um, and meanwhile, Joe Manchin drives a Maserati and lives in a house yacht. So I think you need, you, you, you touch upon, I think, two things here. Joe Biden, by his very DNA, is this old relic of this bipartisan, bipartisan Senate that yep. kind of never cared about the rest of us. He thought, or he tried for the, at least the first year to do something that you and me, perhaps being a little bit more aware, maybe a little bit more cynical, realized was not going to work winning over Republicans and quote-unquote moderates. Reminder to everyone during a pandemic that has now killed over 900,000 people, zero Republicans voted for the COVID relief bill. They needed to go through um, reconciliation to do it, right? And so now you have Manchin and Cinema who will do the wrong thing. They're not going to vote for any of this, which is why Biden, just and this is where it comes to the hot dog, you know, meat and potatoes type thing is, you need the votes. They don't got the votes. So in the absence of the votes... This is what Biden's got to do. I agree with you, though. He should have done this day one. We're run up, running up against the clock. Same thing. Hello, Mer- uh, uh, Merrick Garland. Hello, hello. Uh, Democrats are poised to lose because Republicans are straight up cheating right now. And he should have done this like six months ago. He should go around the nation. But yeah. absent the votes, Danielle, what's going to happen? Another thing I'll say is it's an example of punting the interests of your base second, third, fourth, because the interests of your base were voting rights, police reform. Police reform is dead. And at least there's a little bit of pulse to voting rights. But without Manchin and Cinema, what are you going to do? I mean, but here's the thing. You know, to me, the both of those things are dead. They gave up on police reform eight months into the admin- eight months into the new administration. You had Cory Booker come out and be like, well, 
You know, I tried, <laughs> but like we're not getting anywhere because Republicans won't let go of qualified immunity. Right. The thing, yeah. the very thing that would allow people to be able to persecute p- cops for killing unarmed people. Right. No, we have to keep that because otherwise cops won't be able to do their job. This is what this is the lie. Right. That Tim Scott and others in the Republican Party want to tell us about police reform. But as it pertains, here's the thing to me about voting rights. And you're right. He should have done this six months ago. He should have done it on day one. Is that we're not we probably won't change Kirsten Sinema or Joe Manchin's mind. But you know what I want? And I said this the other day on Woke AF. I want Joe Manchin to be as uncomfortable. Right. In his skin, in his state as black and brown people are going to be when Republicans take over and institute Mm. their fascist regime. I don't want that man to be able to go anywhere without being heckled. I want what the GOP decided to do, which was dump a million dollars into the cheapest television market into a, in America in order to uphold the filibuster. I would have liked to see Democrats make that move well ahead of them. Right. I would like to see this president, this vice president who Biden put in charge of voting rights in every state, in every state that's passed a voter suppression law. They're rallying the people, telling them to call their members, telling them to march, telling them that we have got to get this done. And it isn't just going to be on Republican shoulders. The reason why voting rights fails, the reason why we lose democracy. And these are the people that you have to go over, you know. Here's a, this is the thing that I want to ask you, too, because to me, it also occurred, right, that Biden is a politician from a long lost time. He's a politician for the 20th century, not the 21st. And the reason is this, because he believed and I wholeheartedly believe this. And I don't think that Joe Biden is a bad person. Right. But he doesn't you don't need to be a bad person to use your whiteness as currency. And what okay. I believe is that. Under the eight years that he was vice president and he saw the obstructionism, right, the disrespect and the racism lauded at President Obama, he thought, well, they are not going to do that to me. I'm an old white man. I'm an old white man. And I've been in the Senate for 40 years. I've drank with these guys. I've gone to their houses. Right. I send their kids gifts. They're not going. They're not going to do this to me because I'm one of them. And what what they did to Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney and Dick Cheney. I'm old enough to remember, Danielle, when Dick Cheney was just one of the most vile vice presidents in our history, profited off the war in Iraq. Literally, he had you know, shares in Halliburton. And Liz Cheney voted with uh, Donald Trump 93% of the time and was the number three ranking Republican in the uh, no number three ranking Republican right in the House I believe, uh, and lo and behold now the Wyoming Republicans have by a slim majority decided that she's no longer a Republican she deserved to kick her out she if she runs for re-election we don't know if she's going to win and she's public enemy number one just because she's like you know what a violent insurrection in which thousands of people try to kill me and my colleagues that's a step too much that's a, you know what maybe that's a little too far and so if they're willing to turn on Liz Cheney now this is an important point white folks yep part of this white incestuous club democrats republicans independents i don't care it's a very incestuous club like george carlin said it's a great it's a big club and you ain't in it right i think they're realizing that whiteness will not protect them 
Literally, whiteness will not protect them. Hell, they went after the whitest man on earth, Mike Pence. People forget. They're like, Mike Pence, you've prostituted yourself completely and literally given up your Christianity and your Jesus and your morals in the service Come of Trump on. for power. We're going to kill you. We're going to try to kill you just because you took the advice of Dan Quell and decided to follow the law and certify this election, right? And I think, I think this is something important that these institutional establishment types who are all buddy buddies, they all drink together, go to the same golf clubs, go to the same churches, same synagogues, same temples. They date each other, they marry each other, divorce each other. Behind the scenes, it's like, I know him. Oh, he's a good guy. That's that's kind of the normalization of fascism. Oh, they'll protect mm. me. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, the guardrails will be fine. Because when you're in power, everything's fine. But for the rest of us who have been on the... The, the boot has been on our neck. The, the, the power's boot has been on our neck. We, I think, see America for how it really is. And we're the ones been warning them, like since 2015, yo, Trump and Trumpism is the new norm. Like, it's a fad. Once Trump leaves, everything will be fine. Nope, they'll further radicalize. And I think now it's that stark reality that, oh, shit, my whiteness won't protect me. My wealth won't protect me. My friendship won't protect me with these people. The golfing at the golf clubs won't protect me. They're playing for all the marbles. And we got the Democrats who bring a friggin' a policy paper to a knife fight, and we got Mitch McConnell, who brings a bazooka, and who's going to win? And we are running out of time. We got an election in less than a year. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition the midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections we all know that our government is broken politicians spend more time working for themselves their big donors and their political party instead of for us we as americans have had enough of the corruption partisan bickering and gridlock look i get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out but i'm here to tell you there's reason for hope our political system is broken now but we can fix it that's why we've partnered with Represent Us 
a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. You know, what pisses me off so much is that you laid out everything so clear, right? That, and, and you said it with a voice of urgency, right? Like we are about to be in an American apartheid system, right? where the slim majority is going to have this, the minority, right? Because white folks, this, this, this is the seated problem is that once white people began to recognize that the impending demographic shift meant that they were going to be the minority population, they then got to work. They started laying out every single bit of plan. How are we going to hold on to power? And we're not going to do it by putting forth a platform that the American people actually want and want to vote for. So we need to gerrymander, right? Mm. We need to stack the courts. We need to do everything within our power to ensure that when these quote unquote, as you joke and say, these darkies, these black black and brown folks (laughs) who are climbing over the walls of power, right? Climbing over their gated community when they get unleashed that we will have all of the laws on our side to beat them back. Right. And we will ensure that they never get a voice and that they never have power. That's the decision that they made as a collective. Right. But and, and that includes white liberals, by the way, of course. Yeah. I, I think that's important for people to know, because especially when you said suburban communities, Look, the, the culture war didn't start with abortion and women's rights. It was always with desegregation at schools. And I'm in Virginia right now. And if you're looking at the data right now, they're saying all these moderates and people who voted for Biden, why are they going to go vote for Republicans? Schools, Youngkin, parents' choice. They're teaching about diversity. They're teaching us to hate white folks. And then when it comes to this coded language, you know, they're like, ah, this urban element that's coming into our community. Oh, some troubling elements in our schools. Code word, darkies. The darkies are coming. And so we're going to segregate at schools and Yunkin with parents' choice. I don't know. They're onto something. And so now you got whiteness will stand up for itself, not realizing that this force that you and I are talking about, this radicalized, weaponized GOP force is coming after them. I I think that's the thing, right, that we're getting onto is that they still haven't caught on to the fact that their whiteness will not protect them. Yep. And I don't know. I, I don't know how you go about sending that message to a community of people that have created a moral Disneyland in their, in their minds, right? Where they believe that they are above reproach. You see, when we're looking at these insurrectionists right now, and we're seeing the light sentencing that they're getting or none at all, just slaps on the wrist. Slap oh, on the wrist, they right. are, they, and I'm listening to the media refer to them as MAGA tourists, right? What we, what it is, how, how do you break through with the mm. truth when you everything from Hollywood to government has mirrored back to you your exceptionalism and your perceived innocence, right? Like there, black people, brown people are picked up on the street, have been for the presumption of a whistle, for a look, for a gaze, right? Are picked up, are lynched, are beaten, are thrown into prisons, right? 
because the assumption is always that white is right. Yeah. So when faced with a mirror in your face that says, hello here, you've had a pattern of violence, rage, and recklessness since the beginning of this country, they can't hear it. They can't see it because everything, the matrix around them has been created for them to believe in their own innocence. Yeah. And not even and, and to I, see themselves as, as a community because they only see themselves as individuals. And, and, and the average, the average American, that, that's the euphemism, the average American, the heartland, the regular American, the average voter, right? Those who are electable, you know, but bringing it full circle and to connect the dots, I, I was tongue in cheek joking, listeners. Uh, I'm sure you, I hope you guys caught that when I said voting rights was only for black voters. It's for everyone. Everyone, regardless of your skin color or ethnicity, should be horrified by the active assault of the GOP on our voter rights to the point where these voter suppression bills are so odious that even Republicans in some places like Texas and Arizona are like, yo, 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 this affects me. Hold on a second, right? And yet it's still cast as this urban ethnic thing and that only black voters in Georgia care. No, this is about democracy. This is about our rights. This is about us as a collective, as a community, as a national community. And and, and it's only, I think, they start caring. And by they, I mean the average American, is that when their rights are affected, once they realize, holy crap, it is difficult for me to vote. Oh my God, I'm in the Rust Belt. I'm in the rural community. I need the USPS. I need a voting booth. I have to drive now 80 miles to vote for Trump again to get MAGA. I think it's when they realize that these suppressive laws that were designed almost strategically to go after black and brown folks actually impact them. That's when some of them wake up. The problem is, and going back to another theme that you've mentioned, is urgency. We just don't have the time. Like yep. We don't have the time yep. to go to every person suburban person of color who voted for Yunkin or white folks or people who think they're white to be like, yo, it is in your interest to support these black and brown voters in Georgia who are fighting for your rights because the GOP is coming after all of you. And Biden then by kind of, you know, what, what Biden did say, and this is what got Mitch McConnell all hot and flustered today, all bothered and angry. Mitch McConnell, the number one obstructionist who, by the way, has publicly since 2009, proudly mm -hmm. admitted his obstructionism. Literally mm -hmm. said, I'm the this is a senator, Reaper. ladies and gentlemen, from Kentucky, which is a struggling state, that said, my number one priority is to make sure that Obama is a one-term president. I mean, like, really? You're a senator and that's your like your only um, priority? Same thing he said about Biden, by the way. Uh, by the way, he's used the filibuster to make the, uh, the Senate a legislative graveyard, uh, a tool of obstructionism. Today, he got hot and fl uh, flustered and bothered because Biden, to his credit, said, if you're for the voting rights, you can choose to be in the history books as a hero, or you will go down as Wallace, Connor, uh, Strom Thurmond. And a hit dog hollers, and Mitch didn't like that. So I think that type of language is good. Putting it, those types of stakes are good. But to your kind of anger, I think, and frustration, is it too little too late, number one? And number two, absent... Biden acting like an LBJ and using the presidency as a bully pulpit to beat down or bribe Manchin and Cinema. What are words going to do without legislation, Daniel? I mean, this and that is the million dollar question, right? Is that you can continue to, sh and, and you said this earlier, how do you shame people that can't be shamed? 
Why are we talking to people? Why are we talking to people about how they're going to show up in history books when in the state that you live in of Virginia right now, they were burning books when they are Mm. gutting curriculum? So what what does what does history books matter to people who are going to rewrite them and literally whitewash it? Right. So by the time Mitch McConnell is dead and gone, how is history going to remember him? Probably as a hero. He'll probably have high schools named after him in the same way that Robert E. Lee did. You know, like, give me a break. He was misunderstood. Right. Like, I'm just I'm tired of the 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 hang ringing and and the and the finger waving that the Democratic Party does as at a political party that cannot be shamed. Right. That Mm. they have shown you that they actually have no bottom and no morals. And the question that I have and you are a lawyer here. Here is one of the issues that that I'm grappling with these days and literally stayed up last night tossing and turning. If we no longer have any shared norms, right, Mm. the belief that the Constitution is a doctrine from which we operate our government from, if we no longer have these shared norms and shared belief in laws and, and, and regulation, then what are we doing, right? Like, how are we functioning, Because we're dealing with a political party right now that is using our constitution as toilet paper. And we're still saying like, oh, but they are Americans, but they don't have the shared belief in democracy, in freedom and in justice. No. So if we don't have that foundation, how, how are we moving? We're not, we're not going to move forward. It's going to be splintered. It's going to be like almost like a federation where you're going to have zones, right? You're going to have this thing called the national government. But if they're not elected by the majority of the people, and if the people no longer have faith in the majority of the institutions, which they no longer do, if people see the Supreme Court and the judiciary, which is, you know, the three separate branches of power as being just right wing hacks who no longer represent them, what happens? The majority of the population says, you don't represent me. I, I literally have, you have no credibility. F you. I'm going to do what I want. The minority rule, in this case, we already have minority rule because it's a 50-50 tied Senate and the majority, 40 million plus, represent, you know, blue voters. But because of the Electoral College and because California that has 40 million people has the same amount of Senate representation as mother effing North Dakota, no disrespect to North Dakota, less than a million people, right? We have this situation right here. So it's already, by the way, minority rule, number one. Number two, we already have this lack of representation, which we've seen has led to a lack of faith in our democracy and lack of faith in our democratic institutions. And then we already have a reality here, Danielle. We're about, I've said this before, I think we've lost, I remember I said this in 2018 and people used to raise their eyebrows. I said this on like live television. I said, we've lost about 30% of this country in my lifetime. We've Mm -hmm. lost them. They've become radicalized. Thanks to disinformation. People are like, no, watch. I'm like, no. We've lost him. And I was wrong about this. I remember I was on Chris Hayes' show. I think I mentioned that on this program before, where I said, I think we can win over some of them. And this is me being optimistic. Some of them, if Donald Trump's policies end in economic ruin, some of them will say, wow, I got played for a fool. I was wrong, Daniel, <laughs> because even death came. Literally, the Literal Grim death. Reaper is there killing them. And they're like, nah, I'm going to go MAGA. So I was wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. Even economic ruin won't change them, change them. Death won't change them. They'll double down like lemmings. They're going to go down with the ship. But the problem is they're dragging down America. And this is the problem that Biden's confronting is that these establishment institutions, media, money, corporations, government are run 
by and for mostly white folks. And they have not realized this reality that you and me and others have lived, number one, as a person of color, and that we have articulated for past five years. And they still think that Cameron and, 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 and Casey and Kate and Kim will come around. They ain't coming around. You got to flex. But the problem is you only have like 10 months left to flex. And, and let's be clear. Let, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. We don't even have 10 months. We have by the end of the second quarter, right? You have June. You have until mm. June, right? Because what is going to happen is this, in my humble opinion. Right now, you have a lot of people back indoors, folks, um, you know, there's still 25% of the country, I believe, is still working from home, right? You have people indoors, you have Omicron wielding its, wielding its sword outside, it's of, your, Greek power. <laughs> outside of your front door, <laughs> right? So people are still now uh, kind of self-sequestered in, in many ways, paying attention. Their eyes are on the television, on the next variant, you know, worried sick. What's going to happen? Well, the weather is going to get warmer, right? And this, vari- this version of COVID-19 is going to dissipate. It's going to burn itself out. Then summer's going to come. Happy times are here again. Here's the yeah. rooftop. Here's the patio. Here's me turning off the news, right? So you literally, if we're honest with human behavior Americans, right, we know that we only have a couple of months, not 10, right, to really, gar- to, to really garner the attention and spread the urgency and ring the alarm on where we're headed. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, you, you know, you talked about the fickleness of Americans. We're very fickle. Uh, here's a flip side to that. Suppose that happens, right? Suppose Omicron... Uh, because of Omicron, hopefully, crossing our fingers, somehow a pandemic becomes an endemic, okay? Suppose there's more booster shots, okay? Suppose the sun comes out, people literally literally come out, kids are going to school again, people feel better. Suppose Biden does something with student loan debt, maybe. Suppose somehow he gets some BBB through. I don't know. I'm just, just throwing it out there. I don't, I don't see it happening, right? But people are happier. People are happier. Inflation goes down a little bit. It's the summertime. People are like, oh, wow, we survived it. And touching upon people's fickleness that you did, will that not translate, you think, Danielle, into uh, 
some positives for the Biden administration? Would it boost up his approval rating and then give him some extra fuel to maybe power through towards the end of the, the of this cycle leading to the midterms? And number two, and this is just me throwing it out there. I'm just what's your prediction. We don't know. Will the Republicans not further radicalize, weaponize and go crazy to the point where people are like, whoa, 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 too much? I mean, so let me answer the second one first, which is that I don't know if Americans actually recognize that Republicans have already gone too far. Right. Like we're they're still referring to the covid-19 pandemic that has killed 900,000 people as a hoax. Right. Like they are still telling people not to wear masks. They're still telling people to now drink urine as a way. And mist. And, and, Herschel Walker said there's a mist. Yeah. Like they, like <laughs> I, I mean, they like a step too far was like three years ago. Like, I, I, honestly. So I don't know if people then t- all of a sudden look around and they're like, oh, these people are crazy. Because if you haven't said that already, I don't know if you've been paying attention. And to the other part about people feeling good, let's assume that good times will come again with warmer weather and, and you know, and the endemicy of, of, of Omicron, right? If this White House does not find a way to message that, right, mm. then it doesn't matter. What you and I point. feel in our own bubbles does not matter if the message does not get outside of that bubble. So That's going right. back to the initial point of the GOP dropping a million dollars in one of the poorest television areas in the country, if you are not running a Lincoln Project style campaign, right, around what this administration has done and what Republicans say that they are going to do, then how each of us feels doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. No, I, I agree with you. That's which is why I think, you know, and touching upon what we said, without the communication, without beating that message back and giving them something better, I agree with you. That's my fear. And I saw it play out in Virginia. There was no counter message to Yunkin and Republicans cynically weaponizing CRT. There was no counter message to parents' choice in schools. And and still now, even after the loss of, of McAuliffe, uh, I still see no counter message. And, and, and to tie it together, we said this before on this show, I think it's finally proven now and God, I can just bash my head against the wall with frustration. I won't because I'm not a masochist. <laughs> is you need to wade into the culture wars. You need to yeah. see black and brown folks as a strength. You need to talk about these issues. You can't punt it away. You can't punt away police reform, immigration, race. You just you can't punt it away out of fear that you lose these moderate white suburbans who probably suburbanites who probably won't vote for you. But like if you get into the culture war, create a message tell people how crazy the Republicans are, maybe you'll rally the base, you'll win enough, win enough white voters. And that, that's the type of fight we saw a sneak preview with with Biden's words on voting rights. But you kind of need that 24-7 across the board on all these issues. Otherwise, you're going to lose. I'm really worried about the school thing. I still don't see Democrats have any any response to the weaponization of CRT and diversity which now has, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is literally leading to the banning of books in Texas. Uh, you know, that was the end game. I, I interviewed um, Congressman Jamal Bowman, uh, one of the most outspoken, you know, young progressive members of the House Democrats. And I said to him very plainly, I'm like, is it time for the niceties to be done? Like, are, I mean, are you done? Like, 
are, should Democrats be over trying to negotiate in good faith with the mansions and the cinemas of the world that are literally telling you they are not going to come to the table in good faith? And he said, it's done. He's like, mm. it's over. Like, we need to stop, right? Stop with the niceties. Stop with the, oh, let's everybody come together. Stop with the, the false lie around bipartisanship. Right. And just say what is and what is happening. And, you know, before I want to switch gears for a second with the few minutes that we have left, you mentioned student loan debt. You mentioned Joe Biden's potential wins that he could hold up that could rally voters. Well, I don't know. Here's the thing. Over 45 million Americans are drowning in student loan debt. One point eight trillion dollars collectively of student loan debt. And when we look at the de demographic makeup of those that are drowning, guess who they look like, Waj? They look like <laughs> you. They look like me. I was going to say Mike Pence and Mitt Romney, but look, you surprised me. Right. So you tell me, why aren't we making moves? Right. Because this is the base. Black and brown folks. Right. This is the people that are drowning in debt that are locked into jobs that they're no they're not really able to contribute to the economy in the way that you actually want them to right because they're sinking in debt why is this administration pressing pause on student loan debt return right and and kicking the can down the road instead of actually taking a measured response to the crisis that the other crisis that is hanging over people's heads Corporate lobbyists and donors, they, they strong arm Nancy Pelosi. She ain't in it. And by the way, let's look at give props to Ossoff in Georgia, who's trying to pass this bill to ban Congress people from uh, uh, investing in uh, stocks, uh, insider trading, and also their family members, which should be a no brainer. But look at the Democrats like, no, 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 we want our money and our wealth. And Republicans are now realizing, oh, we got a we, we got an opening here. We could do it. We could we could champion this bill, right? And so my fear is by Democrats not doing this, if Republicans take control, they can come in and say, huh, this was popular. Okay, I'll be the one to cancel student debt. Can you imagine if Trump wins again? He'll do it. Why not? He goes, I'll be the one to cancel student debt. I'll do I'll use executive authority. I'll make I'll make executive authority. This is where I'll give just bear with me. I'll give Trump some props. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't give an F. He used the presidency as his bully pulpit. See, Republicans, when they get in power, they know how to use power. Democrats do not. Trump didn't give a shit. He's like, I'm going to declare a national emergency. There is no national emergency. I don't care. It's a national emergency. I want the wall. I'm going to distribute money from the military and military projects. I don't care what you say. And I'm going to spend money on this wall because my base wants the wall. And the wall wasn't built. Mexico didn't pay for it. I didn't care. We need that from Biden, but except for evil for good. I don't care what you say. I'm the president. I'm going to move heaven and earth. Use the presidency as a bully pulpit. Do executive orders. Get this shit done because my base demands it and it'll help the American people. That's the type of urgency. And like that's what I want right now from Democrats. And Bowman gets it. Bowman gets yeah. it. He says bipartisanship has failed. Joe Manchin, bring me 10 Republican senators who support Tomorrow. your watered down voting rights act. Give me 10. If you can bring me 10. I will have faith in bipartisanship, Joe Manchin. And don't tell me that you need more time because how long has Joe Manchin been sitting up in the Senate? He knows who these people are. What? what is, where is this elusive 10? You have until Friday. Bring me, their, <laughs> bring me their names. Let me know next to their names that they have a check that they are green for go so that then I can go on cable news and announce that I have these 10, these 10 Republicans with me since you think that bipartisanship is the only way to get things done. Give me seven. 
Give me six. How you know about what? Give me I'm generous. Two. <laughs> no, no, three, three. Because maybe you could get Murkowski and Collins. I want three. Give me three. Can you find me three? And you can't. And so that's why with student loans, the reason why I mentioned that when you talk about messaging and Democrats and flexing and helping people and the base, look at the polling. Whenever you bring up cancel student debt, even like knocking off 10, 15,000, a majority of Americans are like, this is awesome. And then I, you think, all right, who's your base then? Because last time I checked, Danielle, I'm old enough. When it came to the last recession that I had to survive in my 20s, right after I graduated law school, the banks and men and women in Wall Street who helped orchestrate a crippling financial recession that led to uh, uh, a depression, which wiped out the savings of so many Americans, made so many people homeless, right? Foreclosures across the board. The institutions that were responsible for that, too big to fail. We had to bail them out. Airlines had to bail them out. Last month, ladies and gentlemen, people forget this. This is huge news. Democrats and Republicans found a way to come together to give $800 billion to the military-industrial yes, complex. Millions and more than me... what they asked for. Millions <laughs> oh, yeah. more than what, they, what the Pentagon actually asked for. I think it was nearly $30 billion dollars more. Biden was like, let me give you $30 billion more. They're like, thanks, Biden. And so you're telling me you can't find that money for child tax credit, can't find that money for BBB, you can't find that willpower to move heaven and earth for Voting Rights Act. You can't find the money to take away student loan debt that will help. Even a guy like me who's doing well, right? My wife has a job. I, you know, I sold the book. You know, we're doing okay compared to the majority. Even me, I was telling you before the show, I got $51,000 in student loan debt. And every month I pay, and it mostly just knocks out the interest, Daniel. Like, I don't even get to the principal. So I'm just like, what am I doing? And then, you, and then if I'm a person who's doing okay compared to most people, what's the interest of most people to pay off a student loan debt when it hangs over their head like a friggin' guillotine? You tell me. I mean, it's just, it's obscene. We are living in incredibly obscene times. And when you look at both parties, if we had the ability to take money out, right? If we had the ability to cut out, right? what is causing the cancer, then maybe we could get somewhere. But when you have both Democrats and Republicans saying, no, 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 I still want to be able to do insider trading. I still want to <laughs> be able to do X, Y, and Z. I do want to give, you know, the rich more tax cuts because I believe in this trickle down, even though I have a D next to my name, I just don't know where we go. And this is precisely the reason why you have millions of people who are eligible to vote that don't. Because they look at scenarios like the ones that we just ran through on this episode, and they're just like, so tell me who is better, mm. right? The Democrats who get power who don't know how to use it, or the Republicans that get power and all they do is abuse it. You know, we're running out of time, but that last comment, I think is very, we, we'll, we'll talk about it more next time, but that's the risk that re Democrats are running. You cannot force people not to be apathetic when they rally for you during a pandemic and 81 million people come out and you're supposed to be the quote unquote good guys and you fail them. And then you say, but no, no, this time we'll do it. And that's the, the risk that a lot of Democrats are running is apathy. People are checking out. And just like you said, a lot of voters, your base are saying, what's the point? I still get screwed. Uh, so go ahead, Republicans, do what you got to do. I don't care. I'm tapped out. I'm just going to take care of myself and my family. Ugh. Where do we go? I don't know. Thank you for listening to <laughs> <laughs> Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. And I'm Ajat Ali. And we will be back next week if there is a country left.
if democracy still exists, inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs>